just going to look at God's word together for a few minutes. Should we, should we pray? Should we just come to God's word together? Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can pray a prayer like that. Change our heart, oh God. Lord, in fact, the whole, um, in a sense, the whole essence of the Christian mission, Lord, does start with us. Father, we come to you. We love you with our whole hearts. We receive, Lord, that great commandment to love you with our heart, mind, and soul, and then our neighbor as ourself. And then, Lord, you give us that great commission, Lord, to go into all the world. Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Lord, to tell all of you, of your Son, of our salvation, of the forgiveness of sins, of our change and eternal destination, that, Lord, we can be assured of a place in your coming kingdom. Father God, I thank you for our mission, Lord, for our commission. Thank you, Lord, that um, you do start with us, that, Lord, you challenge your people not to be uh, more professional in their Christianity, but more Christ-like in their everyday life. And from that, Lord, flows a changing world. Father God, may we be more Christ-like this morning, I pray. And I pray, Lord, now as we just um, think of a few verses from your word, Father, as we just uh, think of uh, this particular topic, that, Lord, whatever comes out of my mouth, Father, uh, broken as it is, that you will use those words for your glory, Father, changing whatever needs to be changed, Lord, maybe mishearing uh, from people's ears what needs to be misheard for your glory. And we lay everything at your feet, Father, for your glory, for your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, and uh, please feel free to give me a cheer on this one. Who's looking forward to the 8th of June when we get to have another general election? So I'm quite weird because I love voting. I love it. It's brilliant. It's the only time I feel like my opinion actually might count. And uh, let's not get into that. Um, but on the 8th of June, um, we would all be uh, summoned or asked, invited, um, to go to the polls across this country and elect a brand new government for the United Kingdom. Uh, our major political parties will spend the next six weeks or so, or however long we have left, trying desperately to convince us to put our ex next to their name. And, uh, and the choice really comes down to which of those political parties will we give our allegiance to come the 8th of June. And I hope that you and I are praying about the next general election. There's a great apathy towards politics in this country. We're fed up with them, aren't we? We're fed up with it. Too much change, too many votes. And maybe you're like Brenda um, this morning. Not another one? I can't stand this. There's too much politics going on at the moment. Why does she need to do it? There we are. So um, I hope you're not like Brenda this morning. Another one? Uh, I think I've lost that clip about 20 times. Every time her voice goes up, it makes me smile every time. Bless her. Um, and whilst Brenda's reaction is understandable, uh, we're not actually talking about politics this morning. Um, it's important to note that every single day, every single day, since the day you were born, near enough, we have made a choice about who we would serve, who we follow. Every single day, you and I make a choice as to where we put the X and who we're going to follow that day. Our daily choice, however, isn't uh, to, to whether we follow May, Corbyn, Fallon, or somebody else. There's so, so many to follow nowadays, aren't there? Uh, but every morning when we wake up, we have a choice to say, where are we going to put our cross this morning? Will it be against Jesus Christ and his party, if you like, or somewhere else? Every day we choose on a daily basis who it is that day we will serve. None of us, no human being is truly free. Most human beings think they're free, but there is not a free human being on the planet. We are all servants of something 
or someone, whether you think you are or not. The famous poem or famous writing says, uh, no man is an island. And isn't that true? There is no islands in humanity. Every single human being serves someone, is a servant or even a slave to someone or something. And this morning I want to talk about servanthood and what it means to be a servant, but not in a negative sense like the slave trade of Britain and the Western world that the likes of William Wilberforce and many others sought to eradicate uh, from British life. I'm not even using it in a negative sense of the modern slave trade, where millions upon millions of people are forcibly or by deception taken from their lives into all forms of slavery. In fact, um, they reckon today 35.8 million people are estimated to be trafficked for human slavery. That is far, far more than the slave trade that the likes of Wilberforce sought to get rid of in this country and others. And that just there is some of the things people are forced to do under the modern um, slave trade. Having mentioned it, I didn't think I could just gloss over it because 35.8 million people are either tricked or dragged from their homes and their lives to be sex slaves or domestic service or forced labour or forced marriage organ harvesting, my goodness, Um, just to name a couple on that. And actually, I wonder this morning, um, whilst it may break our hearts a little bit this morning, I wonder where are the William Wilberforces of the 21st century? 35.8 million people have been dragged from their homes and all sorts of unspeakable evils happen to them every single day. And if you think it's somewhere else in the world, it's not a sermon on this, I know, but if you think it's somewhere else in the world, You are misinformed. In every town, probably across this country, there are houses set up with people chained to beds and all sorts of things happen to them. Yes, maybe even in Sorbidgeworth. Our job is to be vigilant. Our job is to report. And our job is to pray against this unspeakable evil. And so 35.8 million people are enslaved. But actually, as Christians, we know that the number of people in slavery is far higher. In fact, we know as Christians that when it comes to spirituality... Every person on this planet is enslaved to sin. In John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says this, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. The Bible is very clear that every time you sin, you become enslaved to it. That is why people need Jesus Christ. You see, from day one, we are enslaved to sin at birth. You see, we grow up whether we think it or not, in service to someone or something. It might be you're in slavery to your guilt or your anger or unforgiveness. You may be enslaved to your boss. Many of you may feel enslaved to your boss, especially as you think in 12, 24 hours I'll be at work again. Um, but you might be enslaved to your boss um, or your job or your role in life or your commitments or your mortgage um, or your lack of a mortgage or your philosophy, your ideas, even your lusts may well enslave you and make you a servant. Every human being is enslaved and in service to something. That is why Jesus Christ came at Easter. Not just to start a nice church for nice Christians, but to say to everyone who is enslaved to whatever, that there can be freedom. There can be freedom from their sin. There can be freedom from their master to the right one. This morning, maybe you feel trapped by a habit you cannot break, or a hurt in the past that still is your master, perhaps it is time to say goodbye to that old boss and actually now worship the King of Kings afresh. Maybe you're a Christian this morning and you think, well, I'm already a Christian, but I still feel enslaved. 
every day ask for the liberty of God's spirit. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God wants to set you free. God desires to set you free. Pray every day for that freedom. And also, um, what you serve in life defines you. We all serve something, be it our jobs or our ambition or our God. What you serve defines who you are. A friend of mine who was a former Hindu who had become a Christian uh, told me that within Hinduism there are, of course, many different gods and many different gods who have different characteristics. And I don't think it's unusual for a Hindu area to pick a favorite god. In fact, we had a video a few weeks ago and a woman said just that. And, uh, and she told me that a whole village uh, will have a God that's there sort of more prominent above the others. And that might be a God of sex or a God of power or a God of um, war, whatever it might be. And she said to me that what happens over time is that whole village culture just transforms to match the God they follow. And it is no different for us um, in the Western world Um, Because if you love sex or pleasure, if you love money, if you love recognition, if you love health and being beautiful, if you love drinking, if you love your career, your opinions, your activities, your relationships will all be coloured by what it is that you serve. What we serve defines us. Everyone serves something or someone. And what's really interesting when you go across the Bible from beginning to end is that God's people are called servants over and over again and we don't tend to think of ourselves as servants we like to be called Christians sometimes depends who you're talking to Um, but we're called servants of God over and over again and the question isn't are you a servant of God this morning the question is am I a good servant of God am I a faithful servant of God and why does this matter why is this an important point it's an important point this morning because Jesus was our servant king. This wasn't the sermon I would have given after Easter, by the way, but I just felt over this week, again and again, that word servant has kept coming back to me. And so it matters because Jesus is the ultimate servant. He is the servant king. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, we read this, written by Paul to that church in Philippi. He says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This is the truth of what's coming. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Isaiah 53 verse 11, that great messianic prophecy of the coming Messiah says, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities and in Matthew 20 verse 28 Jesus says just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and Luke 22 verse 27 says for who is greater the one who is at the table or the one who serves is it not the one at the table 
for I am among you as one who serves. And it is a sobering and humble reminder, isn't it, that when the eternal Son of God entered history, a world he created, he entered in humility. All that power to create a world from nothing with just a command through him and for him was clothed with frail humanity, clothed as a servant. As the well-known song from the 90s or 80s, I forget when they wrote it, says, hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails, surrendered. If I had a better voice, we'd sing it, but we won't. Um, and so why does this matter? Who cares? What is it? What's the point? What does this matter this morning? It matters because Jesus was the servant king, and we this morning who are Christians are the king's servants. We are the king's servants. We have many titles, don't we? Christians, God's people, children of God, born-again Christians, weirdos. No, no, that's a different one. It depends who you talk to, doesn't it? Um, But the title servants is perhaps one of the most important and one of the ones used right across the Bible. Be it Abraham or Joshua or David or even the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, all are called servants of God. Do you consider yourself And do I consider myself a servant, a slave of the king at his disposal? In the New Testament, these greats, Paul, Timothy, James, Peter, Jude, all start their writings with, here I am, a servant of God or a servant of Christ Jesus. Do we see ourselves as servants of the king of kings? Yet over and over, God's people are called servants of the most high God. And in Greek, that word servant that's often used is bond servant. No, not because you have a license to kill. That's funnier than that, surely. (laughs) I don't know how it took me to work that in. Um, The whole sermon's been about that joke. I was going to do something completely different. Never mind. I'll try again. Over and over we're called servants of the Most High. And in Greek it means bond servants. Not because you have a license to kill. Okay. But that term in Greek actually means this. Somebody who is subservient to and entirely at the disposal of his or her master. Wow. I wonder how many Christians are bond servants. That is the definition of Christianity, isn't it? That when you became a Christian, your life ceased to be yours and started to be God's. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul, talking about whole other subjects, says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your life, your body, your mind, my mind, my body, my life, is no longer my property. It is owned by the King of Kings. Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20 says, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's the phrase, Christ lives in me, I no longer live. That old life, that old nature that was anti-God, that was pro-me, selfish and ambitious, that's dead. I've been replaced with a spiritual nature, a Christ-like nature, and I am now God's property. I once belonged to darkness. I am now property of the light and the king. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 to 23, it says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, 
The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. That's what you used to have. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a key point to have in our minds. We have been saved to serve. We're not saved for us. We are saved for him. Of course, in my salvation, God has given me forgiveness and a love that knows no bounds and a grace that knows no end. But the key to my salvation is that I've been taken from one master to another. I now serve the right king, not the wrong king. And to serve Jesus Christ fully and passionately is the key to life. It is the key to real dynamic faith. You see, you can believe in Jesus and not serve him. Many Christians have been doing that for years. Some Christians are experts at believing and not serving. They're excellent at dividing the two. But we're called to believe and serve. In John chapter 12, verse 26, the key um, to real faith is service and serving Jesus. It says, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. My father will honor the one who serves me. Dynamic faith comes not because you attend a lot of church services or you do all the nice things that church has to offer, but real faith comes when you obey your Savior because where he is, you'll be, and God will honor you. John 13, verse 7 says, Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Um, Serving Jesus is a key to real freedom. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is easy. Light. We're all burdened with something, but when you're burdened with service of the king, it is light and it is easy and it is a joy. Serving Jesus is the key to purpose. 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 20. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is our purpose. When we serve Christ, we know our purpose, which is to be his ambassadors. And then it is the key to changing the world. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why do we do things as Christians? Sometimes we do it because it's exciting and we want to do it. Sometimes we do it simply because God has said. I remember um, talking to somebody in social services years ago. This church had helped one woman. And, uh, and I was talking to her about what we could do and how else we could help her. And she said to me, why do you do it? Why are you helping this person? And I said, as Christians, we believe very simply that God loved us and sent his son. And it's our job and responsibility to love other people and help them as much as we can. It is the key to changing the world because I do what's right, because I'm commanded to, even when it doesn't feel a lot of fun. Our role is to take the ethics and the values and Jesus himself into a broken world and give them the good news. So why this message this morning? Well, simply because Jesus is the King of Kings. Amen.
isn't he? He's on a throne. He's got a kingdom that's coming. He's coming back. And we are his servants. Everything is under his feet, the Bible says. Everything, everything is under his feet. His kingdom will come and it will have no end. Our privilege, then, our highest honour, our fullest freedom is to serve that king and serve him only. In fact, full life can only ever be truly experienced when you bow down to his will. Freedom isn't what you think it is or what we think it is. Freedom isn't having a day off from responsibility. Freedom is bowing down before the king of kings and saying, I am yours 100%. Real freedom can only be enjoyed when we willingly give our will to him who is above us. And he is a good king. He is a loving king. He is a king who cares for his servants. He is a king who loves us and gave his own life for us. He still bears the scars in his hands and his feet and his side and his head from the crown of thorns and the spear and the nails. Every time we serve this king, we see the marks of love from the cross at Easter. And to serve him is not a burden or an abuse of power. It is life and it is good and it is health and it is an honour to serve the king of kings be it wiping up a cup sweeping up a floor helping someone cross the road or starting a charity or preaching the gospel it is an honor to serve this king so on june the 8th put your cross where you think it should go but tomorrow make sure it goes next to jesus christ the king of kings because that's what we are his servants he is our king he is our god and he is already calling us to change the world he's already calling us to make a difference we are the ones that he has entrusted the message of life to he has given us the power of his holy spirit the hope of his resurrection all he wants from us is a willingness to go you don't have to be the most prolific gifted christian on the planet i'm not but God still uses me occasionally, and I thank him for it. All you have to be is willing to give it all up and say, God, take me, use me, and I promise you he will. Christianity is the best choice you ever made. However, belief and service are not meant to be cousins that never see each other, but brothers who are the same. Should we just pray? Father God, I just want to pray for all of us in this room. Lord, just as we come off the back of Easter, Lord, it's a reminder that when your son rose from the grave, he didn't rise and then sort of evaporate somewhere and we're not quite sure where he is. Lord, it's very clear at the end of the Gospels and the beginning of Acts that he ascended to heaven. That Lord, your son is now at the right hand of your throne. That he has been enthroned on high. He is the king of kings. That you are putting all things under his feet. And that, Lord, he will return again in glory, a conquering king coming to deal with evil once and for all and to bring a kingdom that will have no end. Lord, that is our hope. Our hope of heaven, Lord, isn't just a room in a mansion, as John 14 says, but, Lord, actually a part in its arrival. You call us to preach the gospel. You call us to love the lost. You call us to spend ourselves on behalf of the poor. You call us to stand up for injustice. Lord, forgive the church that 35.8 million people have been enslaved on our watch. 
Lord, forgive me for all those people that are enslaved on my watch. Father God, may we not leave this place feeling guilty. Oh, we're servants of the king. I better do more at church. Father God, may we leave this place empowered, knowing that us who are sinful, who are broken, who have nothing to offer, have the privilege of serving you through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just commit everything we've said this morning. And Lord, I look forward to worshipping you in this place tonight with our friends at God Central and then next week together again. Lord, use us, raise this church up, maybe connect with you and each other and our towns and make a massive difference for your kingdom. Come, Lord Jesus, and use us, I pray. Amen.